Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 530. There's a one-word question that will answer all your problems in life and business, and it's why. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Mitch Snow. Mitch, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. Let's rock and roll. All right. Mitch Snow, a Colorado Springs native, is one of the youngest professional international motorsport promoters and event organizers in the world. He serves as the Director of Promotions and Legacy at the Broadmoor Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. It's brought to you by Gran Turismo. Over 50 years ago, his grandfather, Charlie, served on the race's technical committee, sponsored the event, and opened the doors of his Snow Automotive to give out-of-town competitors a place to wrench on their cars throughout that grueling race week. Mitch's father raced the hill and took Mitch to his first race in 1995, and he hasn't missed an event yet. Today, Mitch uses his passion for the race and extensive knowledge of his history to promote recreational tourism throughout the Pikes Peak region and develop the future of America's second oldest motorsports event. So, Mitch, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you and your incredible family history with the Pikes Peak Hill Run. Could you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career, your business, and, of course, your passion for driving automobiles up a hill really quick? Yeah, you know, really, there's nothing like the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. It's uh, really, we're the first U.S. motorsports event that turns right, and it's something that is, is very unique in the essence of we have a larger following overseas than we even do in our, our own community. There's a lot of people that don't quite know what the hill climb is and think we might be a running race up the bar trail which is a a trail to the summit of pikes peak but Mm -hmm. you go over to germany or italy france japan and uh, there are people that that not only know it but they love it it's a very unique event home to just ingenuity Uh, we have an unlimited division where basically you can build whatever your engineering desires can create as long as it meets our basic rules and safety requirements which really leads to some advancements in automotive technology that get related to everyday street travel like you said i've been attending the race ever since i was a kid and 
you know, it's something that we would just do every single summer and go to. And if my dad couldn't go, we would go with a family friend or something like that. It was something that really got me going and I loved and was passionate about. And I see it as, you know, one of the world's oldest action sports. And I grew up watching the X Games and all of that. And when I was a little kid in 2004, Travis Pastrana and Ken Block and Tanner Faust, all those guys came and raced Pikes Peak, and I got to meet some of my childhood heroes. They they came to my town and my mountain, and <laughs> if there's anything that I can do to try and create experiences like that to, to build the next generation of hill climb fans and really spread the race throughout the world, that's that's a win in my book. Oh, absolutely. You know, your event is just so spectacular, and I've been fortunate to have some past guests who've uh, raced up your hillside and I follow that I watch it the videos of course are iconic on YouTube of the cars going up that hill I love your description of the right turn race it's just a big loop all the way up the hill and my father was born in 32 and I have a picture of him when he was a little boy with his family they took a road trip and they drove up that that hill way back when it was unpaved all the way to the top. And uh, I have to say the picture of them standing at the top next to the sign, they all looked a little worn out. But, of course, they probably was summer, no air conditioning, five kids in the back of the car. I think his dad was probably a little exhausted. But uh, what a legacy. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you, the hill climb, and all the things you have planned this year. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success and the legacy that you're carrying on with your family and the hill. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? I know you love to drive, so Mitch, take the wheel. A quote that has always kind of stood out to me, and I honestly don't know who said it. It was on a a piece of paper that hung in my dad's office, and it's, uh, Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and knows that it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. Mm. Every morning, a lion wakes up and it knows that it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it'll starve to death. It mm. doesn't matter if you're the lion or the gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. <laughs> and that, that's just, you know, every day, you, you can't let a day go by without trying to do something to better yourself and, and the world around you. You can only control what's within your control and things that or outside of that control will happen. But as long as you're doing what you can to make sure that you're going to make it to the next day, you're doing something right. You know, I love that saying, and it's pretty cool that it hung in your dad's shop and that you've remembered it to this day. It really is a testament to the perseverance, tenacity of entrepreneurs and people in the racing community is, yeah, you've got to get up and be ready to beat the next guy. I had Adam Carolla on the show, and he said something akin to that. He said, you know what, Mark, every morning I just get up and move my legs. I just try to move my legs as fast as I can to stay ahead of everybody who's chasing me, to stay out in front of my career and try to come up with something new. So uh, I like that one. That's very cool. First time I've heard that quote here on Cars. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And thanks to your dad for uh, for instilling that in your mind and your heart about your career and your life. Let's go back in time. You obviously grew up in a family surrounded by cars, racing with the hill. I mean, I think it was probably in your blood when you were born. But is there a story you can share with us that instigated your passion for cars? Is there that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that, yeah, just like my grandpa and my dad, I'm a car guy? Yeah, you know, growing up in a car family, like literally when I didn't have a babysitter as a a little kid, my parents would take my little brother and I down to our grandpa's shop and he had about a an acre dirt lot and he would just give us free reign of the place we would drift 
go-karts around berms and ride <laughs> dirt bikes and I mean we were like eight years old and we just asked grandpa for the keys to his explorer and we couldn't even really touch the gas pedal but he'd let us take his explorer out in the back lot unsupervised and oh my gosh just drive around and do stuff that uh i, I think's probably pretty crazy even to myself today <laughs> but you survived <laughs> oh i did it got some bumps and bruises and broken bones but it uh builds character yeah and re- really just growing up we whenever we would take vacations even if it was something unrelated we would make it car related we I remember going to uh, South Dakota for a family reunion one year, and my dad decided to extend the trip, and we went to Canada to pick up an old Model A Faden and uh, try and build a hot rod out of it. And I never really realized that I was a car person until I went to college and realized that everyone's not a car person. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with all you people? I know. It. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was in a fraternity, and one year I was living in the fraternity house, and there's 46 other guys there, and... Uh, every, every Sunday morning I would wake up early, which granted was probably only eight or nine in the morning, but I would, uh, make sure to get to the TV room and take control of the TV and <laughs> force everyone to watch NASCAR and F1 endurance racing rally, everything. And yeah. really I learned that, you know, cars are, it's contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, they just really hadn't been exposed to it. And it, it took me kind of getting them around cars and racing to, to kind of develop that passion and we've all gone on trips now to the bristol night race and all over the country just having fun and enjoying motorsports and cars yeah so cool i i can imagine when your mom and dad said well we're taking you to grandpa's <laughs> your brother probably yoo-hoo! fun at grandpa's man what a what a luxury you had not only to be around your grandparents when you were young because not all of us were mine lived a long way away i didn't see them very often growing up but also, to have that kind of fun, I mean, it's just uh, really, really cool. Love that story. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, or in your case, driven up, and crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge, or even better, a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the best part of challenges and failures is they teach us things. So how did you overcome yours, and what did you learn from it? Well, you know, probably probably the biggest challenge and failure that I've had to date is I'm actually a a college dropout I had some family things going on and um, was was pursuing a a degree that really didn't inspire me I was doing communication studies which you know is kind of just a degree to get a degree and Mm -hmm. everything that they were teaching and was just you know new terms to common sense things and I I was asking myself, you know, why am I spending all this money and putting myself in debt to to learn things that I've just learned throughout life? Mm-hmm. And uh, became frustrated with that. And ever since my freshman year of college, I started doing internships. And at all my internships, I learned so, so much just by being in the field and working with people and just having that hands-on training. And I, I wanted to pursue something where, you know, I I could maybe start paying off that debt instead of building it up even further. So yeah. I ended up leaving college halfway through or at the end of my junior year in 2013 and pursued becoming a full-time employee at the Hill Climb. Mm-hmm. And it, it took six months, but I was able to land a part-time gig from January through March. And then as soon as April hit, 
I became a, a full-time employee through the race. So there was no guarantee after the race. And I, uh, had to, had to really just bust it to, to make sure that I could make ends meet and be financially independent. And I was working 50 to 60 hours a week between the hill climb and a local liquor store. And, um, just really wanted to do everything that I could at the race to make sure that I could, you know, prove my value and, and really create a position for myself. Right. And, uh, following that year's race, uh, the, the board of directors decided to make that position and I've, uh, been, been full time and haven't felt like I've worked a day since. <laughs> well, you know, kudos to you and thanks for sharing a really personal story with us. You know, I've heard this from many guests here on Cars, yeah, and I had a guest on recently who actually left high school. Uh, he had ADD and dyslexia issues, and the teachers were saying, you're just an idiot. You can't learn anything, and he got so frustrated that he left. He came over here to the United States with no money, and he ended up being a billionaire and following his dreams, and I think uh, so many students these days, they just are kids. They go to college just because they think they're supposed to but they really don't know what they want to do. I think it's a lot better to maybe take a year off, a gap year, or discover what it is you want to do before you just jump into school. And like you said, get into debt. My gosh, the debt, the college debt in this school, in this nation is horrifying. It is. So many kids get out of college and they just look around and go, what do I do with this degree? I, I, didn't even, I haven't figured out what my passion is yet. And I really think it's tremendous that you knew what your passion was. You decided to follow it. You pursued that, and despite which I think was probably maybe pressure from family, maybe not, maybe more pressure on yourself for not staying in and finishing school seems to be, and as obviously was a good choice for you. So uh, I love that story. It's great for those listeners out there that might be going through that turmoil right now and trying to find their way and so forth. Well, thank you. It's a, uh, you know, the thing that I really realized about college is that it doesn't really matter what you study or what you learn in the classroom the things you learn outside the classroom are just as important if not more and right 90 percent of the time employers don't require a college degree because it says you learned something mm-hmm. they require a college degree because it says you started something and you finished it and i'm going to finish mine sometime yeah. in the near future i'm just uh on a bit of a, a hill climb sabbatical from higher <laughs> education for the time being <laughs> You know, I think so. And it's like Europe had a, a really good system, and they still do in some cases with the crafts, where a, a young person goes off and uh, becomes almost an indentured craftsman and works at a place and learns a skill for free. They're given food, room and board, kind of like college, but they have to work for it. And then when they get out, they have kind of a degree of experience. And I wish they would come back in this country. We're just lacking so many young people with their, their ability to work with their hands. Exactly. It's uh, it's something that, you know, we need those skilled workers and and everything nowadays is just getting to make sure that everyone's answering the right answers to standardized tests, but there's no skills and it's just an interesting time. Yeah, for sure. It is. Well, good for you. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a career aha moment. It's that time when you uh, had a a vision or an idea and you decided to go down that path and it worked out for you. Tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. So it actually, uh, it it goes back to college. I, after my first semester freshman year, I, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. That's why I went to Colorado State University. They have a great journalism and technical communication program. And 
Yeah, I came back to Colorado Springs that summer and did an internship with KKTV 11 News Sports Department with Jesse Kurtz and Sam Farnsworth, two, two incredible guys, and I've learned so much from them. It was the perfect summer to cover sports in Colorado. It was the year of the NFL lockout. There was Tim Tebow mania going on up in Denver. The U.S. Women's Open at the Broadmoor Hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, then all of a sudden the hill climb rolls around. And I realized for the first time that there really aren't that many people that are hill climb nerds like myself. <laughs> uh, you know, so much of sports departments are just stick and ball guys. And yeah. especially being in Colorado, there's not really a, a motorsports culture. So it's kind of a niche that I was able to to get into. So I ended up working with them and, and did all the behind the scenes development for their race week coverage. And it was the last year of dirt being included on the surface and the year that monster Tajima actually broke the 10 minute barrier. So I was running around with cameras trying to document as much dirt footage as possible because I knew, you know, there's a good chance that we're never going to see guys sliding around the hill like this again. Yeah. Uh, preserving that history is important to me. It's without our history, our race is nothing. Um, and I still wanted to pursue journalism after that, but I wanted to focus more on, on cars and motorsports. So I got connected with Chris Nazarenus and Greg Tracy at mylifeatspeed.com and was given an opportunity to be a contributor. Later that year, I went on to write an article for them and just making a real shot in the dark using a few different things that I had found online and trying to piece really pieces of a puzzle that wasn't there together. Mm-hmm. and uh, put together some speculation, wrote an article saying that I thought Monster Tajima would come back in 2012 with an electric car. Now, like a week or two after that, Tajima actually did build an ele- or announce that he was going to compete in the next race with an electric car and try and do it for the green movement and all that with the performance capabilities, not lose any horsepower at altitude. Uh, so my cousin who had interned at the sister company to the hill climb the year prior ended up sending that article to the hill climb offices and I reached out to them to see if they had any internship opportunities for the next summer and I've been uh, doing stuff at the hill climb every summer since. <laughs> you know, So it sounds like to me the takeaway from this aha moment for you is be aware, be focused, be alert to opportunity. And look for those right people to connect yourself with, to mentor or have as a mentor rather, and uh, connect with them and take those opportunities as they come along to kind of create a ladder for your career. Yeah, just have a goal and pursue it. Don't don't let anything stop you from chasing your dreams. You can do anything that you want. It doesn't it doesn't have to be a cooker cookie cutter job you can pursue anything and, and make a career if, if it's not there absolutely yeah especially nowadays with the internet and all the opportunities uh that are out there for us you just look at what podcasting has done in the last five years didn't really almost didn't exist before then and now there's thousands of podcasts every kind of category you can think of that you can learn about and get inspired by so tremendous i love it now how about proudest career moments you're a young guy so you have a lot of career ahead of you but is there a proud moment you can share with us that really stands out for you honestly probably the the proudest one and and it's what will lead to everything is is just becoming that hired full-time employee. I mean, I always said that when I get a big boy job, I'll 
the <laughs> week of the race is when I'm going to take vacation. But now that vacation is my career. And yeah. uh, I honestly, uh, it doesn't matter if I'm on the mountain throwing thousands of hay bales along the course or spending eight, 10 hour days controlling chaos at the summit. I uh, honestly don't feel like I work every day because I really enjoy what I do. You, I, know, uh, you just dropped a, a wonderful line there. That vacation is my career. Uh, what a wonderful concept. Uh, imagine that, listeners, that your career is really just one big, long vacation because you're doing what you love. That's awesome. And, and it's already given me gray hairs. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I learn something new every day and I have fun while I'm doing it. It's incredibly, incredibly rewarding feeling to be able to be a part of something like the hill climb and, right. and be so young. I mean, I'm the race is over four times older than I am. <laughs> and it's just pretty incredible to be a part of it, especially because we have a hundred years of history behind us. Yeah. But really since the road has been completely paved, it's a completely different race. So we're only four years into a new era mm -hmm. and I have an opportunity to expose the world, something that few know about and yeah. it really develop the, the future of, of where we're going. It's a, a true honor. Oh, great. I love the way you said that. And, Speaking of hair, since I have none, take advantage of your gray hair. I would take gray hair. I would take pink hair. I'd take blue hair. I'd take any hair. <laughs> so gray hair isn't so bad. Those are signs of wisdom. Hey, it's like only coming in one or two hairs at a time right now. Well, again. I think there's more to come. Any hair looks good from my end of the spectrum here. So let's have a little bit of fun here. Tell me about your first really special car and maybe a memory you have with that vehicle. It'd probably be my uh, my my first street legal driving car. I uh, ha actually my high school car was a 1960 Willys pickup. Oh wow! Cool. With the uh, Hurricane Straight Six, it was my two favorite colors, red with black fenders, and uh, nice. it was a perfect perfect high school car. I had some rust on it, and it's far from a show car. But what high school kids' car is a is a show car? Uh -huh. It. Uh, had a lot of character and stood out from all the beat-up Corollas and Cherokees in the parking lot, for sure. <laughs> I like it. it. It was super, super lightweight, and you could go absolutely everywhere and anywhere with it, but you couldn't really go anywhere fast. Yeah. And uh, so one day, I was cutting a little close towards being late to a baseball game, and I uh, had hit a few consecutive green lights and was able to maintain some momentum. And uh, all of a sudden, a motorcycle cop's pulling me over, and uh -oh. I'm uh, getting a ticket. So I uh, got a ticket, made it to the game, and then got an earful from my coach for being late. Uh -huh. And knew that the, the next earful was probably coming from my dad. Uh, so yes. It took me a few days to build up the courage to break the news to him. But while I was helping him out on one of his jobs, I asked him, hey, do you have anything going on on such and such date? And he said, uh, not, not that I know of. Are you trying to get me to get you out of school so you can skip and go to a Rockies game or something? And <laughs> I said, you know, that, that'd be awesome. But I was thinking something along the lines of court instead. <laughs> uh oh. And uh, I got a speeding ticket the other day, and he, he wasn't very pleased. But he he asked me kind of questioning in the Willies, and I, I told him, yeah. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't really believe me. He. Uh, wasn't too thrilled, but he was more impressed than disappointed. He he didn't know how I was able to get it up to that speed. So <laughs> it, uh, there's not too many cars out there that you can get that kind of reaction from your dad when you're getting your first ticket. Uh, so that, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> what a great story. 
Well, how about the car that got away, seller's remorse? Is there one car that you've let go that you wish you could have back in your garage? I, I do. There's uh, one one thing that was really cool about going to my grandpa's shop. I mean, he was my brother and I's best friend growing up. Uh, we miss him dearly. He died when we were like 13 or 14. Mm. But when we were like seven or eight, he actually taught us to drive our first car. And our first car was a 1919 Model T. Oh, my gosh. He, yeah, he and a few of his World War II and Korea veteran buddies, they uh, they would just collect Model Ts and drive them around. One, one of his best friends, Hank Wilson, would actually do a, a Model T rally and drive all the way from Colorado up up to the coast and all the way to Alaska. Uh, so cool. it was really cool being around those cars when I was a little kid. And unfortunately that, that model T had to go away, but someday I'll, uh, I'll try and track it down and, and buy it back. It, it's just a, a cool piece of American history and something that, that means a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. My neighbor across the street here had one for a while, Bruce. He's got an old VW Bug now, but he had one, and it would be so fun for me to sit here and watch him pull that car out, and I'd always run out and say, let me go for a ride, and he'd drive it around the neighborhood. Very unique the way the pedal configuration is, very different than cars nowadays. Uh, A little challenging to learn how to drive, but uh, definitely Americana. Well, let's talk about Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. I'd love for you to share some of the facts about the event with our listeners, a little bit about what maybe is happening this year. You know, some of my past guests who've been in the event, they've raced up that hill. Jeff Zwart, Dominic Dobson, Justin Wilson, Dennis Palatov. They've talked about the tremendous honor to be able to race that hill and the, how exciting it is. So share a little bit more about the event with our listeners. It's coming up on June 26th this year in 2016. So uh, what can you share with them? So this is actually going to be our 100-year anniversary. It's uh, a pretty incredible accomplishment, being the second oldest automotive race in the United States behind the Indy 500. And to think that they started racing Pikes Peak only five years after the first Indianapolis 500, when Pikes Peak's about 1,000 miles further west, and just how less developed Colorado Springs was in comparison to Indianapolis. And not only to to do a race but to do a race up the side of a 14,000 foot mountain is is incredible so actually our our founder Spencer Penrose he is the one that actually built the Pikes Peak Highway and then a month after completing it he organized the first hill climb to promote the highway and tourism to Colorado Springs that's still very much our mission and part of his tourism company he had the the first car tourism company the Pikes Peak Auto Company and he bought 20 Pierce Arrow touring cars. He loved them so much that he kept one for himself. And and Penrose was a, a big car collector. He actually had the largest car collection west of the Mississippi at one point. Wow. And he loved this car so much that he would have his chauffeur drive him around in it all the time. And one day his chauffeur, Harry McMillan, said, you know, let's make this a race car. So they actually took that seven-passenger touring car. Uh, and turned it into a hill climb racer it raced eight times it never won but it always finished which i can't even find a car in modern modern times that's raced eight times and made it to the top every single time it, wow. pikes peak so demanding and grueling on a, a vehicle so mm-hmm. um it's very very unique we were actually able to restore that vehicle and it's actually going to be in running condition for the 100th anniversary running oh wow of oh. the race it's called the broadmoor special yellow devil and it'll actually do a little little commemorative run to about halfway picnic grounds before the race actually starts. 
just before that, we'll actually have Rod Millen going and doing a demonstration run from the start line all the way to about halfway at Glen Cove in the Toyota Celica that he actually set the overall dirt record in 1994 with. It'll be pretty cool to have those two historic cars in action. And then we're, we're doing something special with Acura this year. We're actually going to have three pace cars, uh, one being the, the new NSX, the TLX, and the MDX. They'll be going up in a flying V. And it looks like Kaznori Yamaguchi from Gran Turismo is going to be the, the pace car driver for that one. Then, then the race starts. It looks like it's going to be a great race. We might have an electric car win the overall for the second consecutive year, but Romain Dumas, unlimited competitor, is looking to dethrone the electrics after, just one week after racing the 24 hours of Le Mans. Wow. Uh, it's it's going to be a pretty incredible event. 100 per- competitors for the 100th anniversary, and uh, it should be pretty special. Uh, sounds really, really special. Wow, how exciting. Congratulations, 100 years. Fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Mitch. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? You know, if if I were a car, I would uh, I would probably have to be a, a Tesla Model S. and. The reason why is one of the biggest challenges that I face is not being taken seriously because I have a bit of a baby face. And, <laughs> okay. You know, when, when I go to SEMA show or anything like that and try and develop partnerships for the race, I'll meet someone for the first time and they don't think that I work for the hill climb. They think that I'm the son of someone that works uh, for the hill climb. Okay. Uh, it, it's almost like I'm starting the race 30 seconds off pace before even taking the green flag. I understand. It's... Yeah. uh but it this can be an advantage as well cuz on the other hand i've i've been working with people and communicating with them through email and on conference calls for months and months on end and then when it finally comes time to meet them face to face they're shocked <laughs> yeah. they have no clue that there's a 24-year-old 24-year-old baby-faced kid behind the the mask of a phone and and yeah. keyboard yeah and uh, one one partner has actually described it as when you meet Mitch or when you email Mitch, you think he's 50, but when you, you see him, you think he's 16. And just the ability <laughs> to conduct business in a professional manner yeah. and perform at a high level portrays an image of someone that's older. That's a, a huge accomplishment. So yes. to put that in terms of cars, I'd say the Tesla Model S because really it's it's the ultimate sleeper. Really love the way you answered that question. Very unique answer, very different kind of answer, but I like that very much. And I will say, Mitch, in my communications with you before we actually got to talk, uh, I definitely thought I was talking to an older guy. So uh, kudos to you. That baby face is going to serve you well as you age, though. You're going to be really happy. Just uh, keep doing what you're doing. So Mitch, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. 
Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Mitch, we're back, and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready to go? I'm ready to go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Yeah, the best automotive advice I've ever received is to drive ahead of yourself so you can be proactive and anticipate what's going to happen next instead of being reactive. If you know what's coming, you can be prepared and make sure that you're going to tackle whatever it throws at you the best best you possibly can. Yeah, great advice. Now, how about a personal habit? Could you share one of yours that you think has contributed to your success? I know I've been talking about my grandpa a lot, but one thing he always taught me is that there's three ways of doing things. Not doing anything at all, getting it done, and getting it done right. I I try and take pride in everything that I do and make sure that everything I do is done in the right way instead of just getting it done. It it didn't matter if my grandpa was rebuilding a carburetor, changing oil in a customer's car. If he was working on it, he made sure that he was going to go the extra mile and do it right. So he would actually clean out the engine bay of every car and uh, place a a sticker on the air filter that said, this car has had a snow job. (laughs) And uh, a snow job is is the definition of going the extra mile and doing it right because you take pride in what you do. Awesome. And it's it's an old school habit that used to be the norm. And unfortunately today, mediocrity has become the standard and is acceptable. So it's really not hard to set yourself apart from others by going the extra mile and taking pride in what you do. Awesome. The snow job. What a legacy from your grandfather. You're very fortunate. Now, how about a resource? There's tons of great resources out there. Is there one in particular you enjoy, you think the Car Child listeners would like as well? Honestly, whenever I, I get home and I, I see a package or a, a little bag outside the mailbox and see a magazine in there, I always know that Racer Magazine's showing up. And, <laughs> and there's really not a more quality production out there. And when with print media dying, that magazine has been able to not only maintain the quality in the writing, but in the photography. And it's just a all-around presentation that is uh, something that, that really the rest of media is lacking. It's, it's something that I really enjoy. Cool. Racer Magazine. Love it, too. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read recently that you think the Car Show listeners would enjoy as well? Probably my favorite book is uh, actually Full Throttle, the Life and Fast Times of Racing Legend Curtis Turner. He has an incredible life story, and I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it really needs to be made into a movie. He was a, a remarkable driver and is called the Babe Ruth of NASCAR. He was an innovative businessman that started out running moonshine and then 
as soon as he could, he ended up getting his pilot's license so he could go and fly over large plots of land, buy them, chop down all the trees, and make them into timber to sell to mm-hmm. fund his racing. <laughs> and he uh, he actually owned like three sawmills by the time he was 20. Wow. He was an incredible race promoter, ended up partnering with Bruton Smith, and they built Charlotte Motor Speedway, which was uh, quite the challenge in itself. And then uh, being being on both sides of racing, he, he thought that racers should probably get a little bit more and, than what they do. And he actually got banned for life by trying to unionize the drivers with Jimmy Hoffa and the Teamsters Union and oh, gosh. later had the ban lifted. But when he was banned, he actually came and raced stock cars on Pikes Peak and actually was the first competitor to finish the race in a stock car in under 15 minutes. He was just an incredible driver, incredible businessman, and uh quite the amazing story there's much more to it but i don't want to ruin it for everyone in case they want to read it cool one of those disruptors before the term was coined so very cool well i'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources on mitch's show notes page at carsyad.com just type mitch in the search bar and that page will pop up with links and there's another great place on the cars website called guest recommended books where this book and all the other past 529 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Mitch, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage or collector race car, but don't worry about the price, I'll buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that vehicle be, and more importantly, why? You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of practically all forms of, of motorsports, but I'm especially fond of, of Group B Rally in the 80s. Uh, just an amazing time in, in the racing scene. And if there was one street legal car I could own, it would easily be a production Ford RS200. But since this is a collector car, I'd have to go with something that's a one-of-a-kind. So uh, something that's very unique and probably not on anyone else's list is uh, a 1988 Audi Sport Quattro. Hmm. That, or I'm sorry, 1986 that Bobby Unser actually raced on Pikes Peak. He had come out of a 12-year retirement to race a group b rally legend and um, just to see one of america's greatest racing legends tackle pikes peak and something very european all in the name of beating michelle mouton and her overall course record because he, he wasn't too fond of a a lady having the course record <laughs> and it's uh it just has an incredible story behind it and is something so so unique you you don't see many guys kind of getting outside of their realm into something that they've never done before yeah especially at his age yeah well awesome yeah you are unique that's the first time that car has been requested here on cars yeah so uh, again kudos to you for your uniqueness and of course tying it back to your family's legacy and your passion for what you do with your career awesome Mitch, you've taken me on an awesome ride today i knew you would the minute we strapped into that car and headed up the hill I'm holding on for dear life, but I'm sure I had a fun time. I've really enjoyed learning more about you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive up that hill in your 1986 Audi Sport Quattro, that Bobby Enter car? Yeah, if there's a, there's a one-word question that will answer all your problems in life and business, and it's why. Hmm. If you can come up with the answer to why this happened or why I'm doing this or why this needs to be different, the why questions are what expose purpose and everything. And we're naturally too reactive. And most of the time, we don't even consider the 
the question of why before taking action. So if you can apply why to everything that you do in life, you can save yourself a lot of time and and really improve the quality of everything that you're doing. Uh, So important. Have you uh, listened to that TED Talk by Simon Sinek about why? I have. I actually... I was in the presidential leadership program at Colorado State University, and we we did quite a few service projects and whatnot. And at the end of every class, they would ask us, "All right, why why did we learn this? Why did mm-hmm. we do this?" And you know, I, I might have not enjoyed my major quite as much when I was at school, but if there's one class that I really learned anything from and took something away from, it, it was that. And um, that that why question has really helped me in the majority of my career. Absolutely. Listeners, discover your why and you will learn the path to success. Great, great. Love the way you said that. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb? Well, the the hill climb's coming up. We The race is a little hard to follow because there's so much iron in the mountain that it actually throws off any live stream signal that gets thrown out there. Oh, wow. But uh, we... Uh, we actually take all the onboard footage from our competitors and uh, up, try and upload it straight from the summit. So mm-hmm. you can uh, see those race runs hopefully shortly after they're done, pending that the Wi-Fi works up there. But yeah. uh, if not, we'll get them uploaded the next day when we're back in town. And uh, follow us on Twitter, PPIHC, uh, Instagram, and Snapchat, PPIHC1916. And uh, all my accounts are Rev Snowjob. So. Fantastic. I love it. Listeners, you can find links to everything Mitch has shared today at carsyad.com. Check out Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Absolutely spectacular event. Uh, amazing event. Uh, the mountain uh, fighting against the drivers and the cars and the machinery and innovation. It's really spectacular. Mitch, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners. Happy 100th birthday to Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.